Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at one 800 273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me is my fellow host, Daniel. Hi there. And Ariel is still out at the moment, um, but she does want to pass on, as well as all of us want to pass on, to all of our fans, thank you so much for your love and support. Uh, she is doing better, and hopefully we can get her back in here soon. But we're not going to rush it. We're going to make sure she's recuperated and well before she jumps back into the podcaster seat. So, with all that being said, today's episode is about Umbrella Corps. Woo! No. <laughs> I know some fans don't care for it either. Mm. So... Why don't we just jump right into this one? Daniel, what's our summary? Summary is short and to the point. Um, Resident Evil Umbrella Corps is also known as Biohazard Umbrella Corps. Kind of like that name a lot better in that case. It's an online multiplayer video game published by Capcom. It was released on the 21st of June in 2016 on Steam as well as PlayStation 4 to coincide with Resident Evil's 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. That's really all my summary has. <laughs> it's not really a game synopsis I've noticed anymore. It's mostly just a release. Synopsis, yeah. yeah. So there's a couple things I want to add about this game <clears throat> from my own personal experience. This was one of the first games I personally played that's sole focus was online multiplayer. I got a little blurb about that here on the Resident Evil fandom. It says, being intended as an online cooperative game only, Umbrella Corps does not offer much in terms of plot. It instead gameplay focused like many other Capcom mobile games. So, like the games we haven't talked about just yet, which we will get to eventually, it doesn't really offer much in the way of plot. 
does have one, but it's a very loose plot. And it is very online, multiplayer focused. <laughs> Hence why I don't have much experience. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to go ahead and jump straight into plot here. So the events of this game take t- place two years after the global bioterrorism attacks and 12 years after the umbrella collapse in 2003. So essentially what happened here was viral samples and research data were stolen and sold on the black market. Because of this, bioterrorism grew completely out of control. And when we jump back into this, it's 2015 and all these resulting new viral outbreaks begin to be way too much for the BSA to handle. So in comes zombie hunters. And these people are people who are willing to commit illegal activities and, you know, just crazy things for for whatever reason. They just they enjoy it. I don't know. They're kind of like zombie bounty hunters. They're just crazy. <clears throat> so we in this game play Agent 387. And his whole thing is He's sent out on a mission by his superiors to test some new equipment, um, one of them being the zombie jammer. Once he completes his tests, however, his superiors try to kill him by sending him on more and more dangerous missions. At the end of the game, 387 has overcome all of the obstacles in his way and survived every single mission. And this truly puts terror into his superior's eyes. They're like, oh my god, he survived everything. So, throughout the game, inevitably, you are, you know, with the events of the game, you're brought in direct conflict with other corporations. They're all looking to do the same thing, which is either gain sole access of vaccines or the terror network, the bioterror network that has grown, or to increase their sales and BOW merchandise. This whole thing is the premise of the online gaming. Essentially, everybody in this game, when you play online, is a mercenary sent by different corporations. Like, there's no... That's why it's very loose in this storyline. So all that being said, we do have some new additions for information that come from this game. The first one is Neo Umbrella experimented with the C virus in the Antarctic base previously seen in Code Veronica. It's also seen that the after the whole events of RE4, villagers who were previously forced out by the Los Illuminados ignored the warnings to not go back home and consequently became parasitized and murdered. <laughs> so if that was ever a question in your mind of how how is the population so big, that's why people ignored officials saying don't go back and they get reparasitized. Of course they did. Of course. So another conclusion that we got from this was that the type 2 Plagueis developed by Tricell survived BSA infiltration 
of Kijijiu Zone. So another conclusion of this game also reveals that after the events of RE5, Tricell headquarters fell to bioterrorism attacks. So we've got a lot of information from this. And yet not much was revealed. Like they could have they could have branched off all this story stuff way more. I I know. It's crazy. They could have done so much more. That's that's all there is to this. This game could have been so much more, but it became a huge letdown. I mean, this was one of the big flops in RE history. So all that being said, that's our plot summary. And it's a doozy for information drops at the end. (laughs) So what do we got next? Well, we did get knowledge of the zombie jammer, which is a sound system that the zombies listen to so they can jam out. Right? Uh, No, not even close. (laughs) Okay. I misinterpreted that. (laughs) God. So let's jump into some B.O.W.s, Danny. There's not a lot, most of which Mm. we fought in previous games. So I'll list them, and if I really recognize where they're from, I will let you know. So the first one is the Agile, which is the dogs from Five. Mm -hmm. Then you have Crows, which scatter from almost every single one of them. (laughs) Then you have the Ganados from Four. You have the Majini from Five. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zombies scattered amongst various games. Uh, then you have the mutated zombie, which this one is not like others, apparently, but I don't have a lot of information on this either. It is a variety of zombie discovered sometime prior to October 2012, and they were wiped out by 3A-7, an operator trained by Umbrella Corps. So they don't give you anything on like their biology or what makes them different from the other zombies. Now, I am going to mention something. I do like the aspect that they didn't do that because these things only appeared in one game for a brief moment in time and were completely annihilated. So that gives me as the player the feeling of being in this universe, because if Umbrella or the BSA or, you know, any corporation hasn't been able to research this creature, then we shouldn't have any information. So I do like that. Well, as far as physical features, the one that they have pictured is does look extremely mutated. It doesn't look like it really... It's humanoid. That's the closest you're going to get, but it looks more alien in appearance mm-hmm. than it does actual uh, uh, alien or, or monster yeah. version. But that's what I have on that. And the other one I have is the Bloodshot, which looks similar to a zombie as well. Let's see here. Bloodshots are rare mutant species created by the C-Virus. As with the finalized version of the T-Virus which created liquors, the C-Virus creates bloodshots through the process known as virus activation or V-Act. The trigger for a zombie's mutation into a bloodshot is the inflicting of serious damage to the head. An indicator that the V-Act process is underway in a bright red glow seen in a zombie's eyes. Bloodshots have the appearance of flayed corpses due to their mutation which removes them of their skin. The muscle tissue, however, can be seen to be intact, giving them bright red appearance. The rib cage is noticeably affected, and individual rib movements are not indicated, indicative of normal breathing. Beneath this rib cage, the inside of its torso tends to glow brightly, and bodily fluids are frequently spewed from the opening. 
Their face is significantly more deformed than normal zombies, and their teeth are jagged and twisted, sticking out directly from their mouths. There are also a series of very small spikes that protrude along a Bloodshot's spine. In terms of strength, Bloodshots are more athletic than zombies and can pounce on prey or chase them, and can consume prey at a faster rate. So you got a super zombie, basically. Yeah, it's essentially all it is, is a super zombie with no skin. Yes, more <clears throat> monstrous in appearance. And that's what I have on the Bloodshot, which is one of the newer monsters in this. So, once again, could have done a lot more here, even with the B.O.W.s. This, and this is why this game, to me, is was a letdown, because we didn't even get into the, you know, we'll get into that at the end, but the control aspect of this game was very lacking as well for me. But there wasn't really any introduction of new B.O.W.s. It just, I just felt a little let down with it. So anyway, let's jump into characters. I know we're rolling right through this, but it's a very short game and there's not much to it. So the first character we're going to talk about is obviously you, which is 3A7. So I'm not going to go through every single mission and every single aspect because it's just step by step gameplay. What I am going to go through is a couple little tidbits of info that I found extremely interesting in the research. So there is a single player mode in this, though it is very short, sweet, and to the point. It's called The Experiment. And he is base model used for multiplayer customization concepts in the game as well. So his model and everything about it is what you use throughout the entire game. You are 3A7. That's all there is to it. So it makes sense that there's not a lot of background with this character since it's supposed to represent you so we know that he goes through and he foils and he get, you know foils the plans to get murdered multiple times and he goes through a few series of bosses which we'll discuss when we get to their characters but the the real kicker to all of this is is at the end when you've survived everything 3A7 is now dubbed the new Grim Reaper. Now, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast or you know a lot about RE, Grim Reaper is the code name given to Hunk. So they're telling us that he is comparable to Hunk, if not better. So to go on from this, after the events of the game, nobody knows that would happen to 3A7. But reports suggest that the there is after the, you complete everything there's an unnamed character that starts giving you you know mission briefings it suggests that this unnamed character has future usages for 3A7 so that being said there could be a return of 3A7 as either us as the character or an enemy in a future RE game We'll see if Capcom pulls from this game as... Yeah, we'll see. So, I mean, and if they do it better, I would encourage a sequel to this game. Oh, better. Come on now. We can do it better. We have the technology and graphics. We, we can do this. <laughs> so that is our first character, which means we're going to be moving on to Abram Jackson. So a little bit of history about Abraham Jackson. 
he was originally employed by the Umbrella Corporation, and his official role was unknown. So we don't know what his original job was. But he oversaw the combat trials and test subjects in anti-BOW combat. So he was the guy in charge of all of the knowledge-based figuring it out, how to take down a BOW, essentially. So the kicker to all this is that he was believed to be dead, having just up and disappeared after he started an investigation of the organization's commanders. So he just disappeared. So a little bit of background about him. In March 2012, Abraham Jackson was assigned to oversee the trials of 3A7. In May 2012, however, Jackson became involved with the Umbrella Company's commander. So, during this time, he couldn't figure out the identify... So during this time, he couldn't find out the identity of who the commander actually was because his identity was classified. And... Throughout him giving, being given these tasks, Abraham often commented on the commander's knowledge of certain testing locations. Like, he's they've been here before. The commander has, has extensive knowledge of this area. So after all of this, Abraham began to investigate in mid-June the commander and then consequently just up and disappeared after he disappeared that leads us to our next character we're going to discuss which is Beatrice Bertrand who takes over the command of 3A7 after Abraham Jackson's disappearance so so we'll move on to Beatrice who was the Umbrella Company's illegal operations you know, kind of investigator. She just overlooked the illegal operations. So very quickly about her, she took over command for a while and then poof, gone too. (laughs) Which leads us to us being controlled. Well, not so much controlled, but given missions from this unknown person now. Which you can only assume is either the commander themselves or somebody else working against Umbrella. So the next character we're going to talk about is the commander. Interesting fact here. The voice actor was DC Douglas, who also voice act for 3A7. I thought that was pretty cool. They used the same voice actor for two roles. Well, if you can get away with it. Could you imagine having to talk to yourself during a voice acting? <laughs> they probably put him in separate rooms. Mm, put him, put it. I don't know if that, you know what? Moving on. <laughs> so basically very brief on him as well. He, the also codenamed the executive the description for him is he's powerful, high-ranking official in the Umbrella Corporation. And the entire game, his 
identity is completely remained in the classify classification of classified. Nobody gets to know shit about this guy. And he likes it that way. <laughs> so not really anything is known about his past. Everything we get to learn about him is current knowledge. Except it appears that he may have been involved in the organization's founding. And we come to this conclusion because he has this completely unbreakable authority about him. Like nobody ever tries to overthrow him, best him, anything. And he stays anonymous. We don't have many people who stay anonymous in Umbrella, especially today in 2015 in the timeline. Everybody's been pretty much oust by this time. So moving on from that, the executive had individually formed a group of these zombie hunters or mercenaries and tasked them to complete different testings of equipment and BOWs and things like that. And the entire program was dubbed, as we discussed earlier when we talked about 387, the experiment. And the sole purpose behind this was to test all this equipment and potentially find a suitable candidate to press forward with future operations. Which we can assume is they're looking for another hunk. We don't know why, but they're looking for one. So that's pretty much no anything notable about this character, except in the English version of the game. It was a purposeful attempt to imply that this guy was none other than Albert Wesker or a clone. They beat around the bush with this so much, but they heavily, heavily imply in the English game version of this that this is Albert Wesker or at least a clone of him. Which means Ariel's theory that Albert Wesker has clones may just be correct. Potentially. Potentially. And as we get into the movies, it's also talked about there and seen there that Albert Wesker has clones. So you got to think for a second that maybe Capcom already had the clone thing in the back burner. So the last character that we're going to talk about in this that's notable other than the random command, you know, center voices that you hear and things is none other than Hunker. Uh, Hunker is another employee of Umbrella Corporation and his position is on the inquiry board and his notable moments in this game, if you will, or his whole sole purpose is to try to spoil Abraham Jackson from completing the revival of the CQBZ combat system. And it's ultimately his efforts fail because you as the main character 3A7 completely foil his attempts. So he's just a minor bad guy throughout the game. That's all. <laughs> not even there's not even enough information on him to make him a notable 
character. And that's what we happened with a lot of these characters in this game. So before we go to our mid break, I want to talk about a few things with this game. Number one, huge letdown with the characters, the biography and the just concepts behind them. At this point in, you know, Capcom Resident Evil franchise history, when this game was released, this is the 20th anniversary. Okay. This game was supposed to be this big influential thing. And when it came out, it was just this big influential flop that honestly, I didn't even hear about until six months before we started this podcast. I know terrible RE fan right here, but that's how, you know, ghost release this thing was and how much of a flop it was. Not to mention for going from the characters to the BOWs, there wasn't a lot of new BOWs introduced. No, most of them were older BOWs in some way. And again, huge disappointment because this is the 20th anniversary release. This is supposed to celebrate Resident Evil franchise expanding and growing into its own for 20 years. The other huge letdown is the controls and mechanisms in this game. It's they're very choppy. Um, I tried to play online with really good internet connection and it just would not respond. You know, I was bursting all over the map. The zombies would swarm me quickly. It didn't even give me like a tutorial with the command prompts or anything. It just threw me into this game. Huge letdown. I was extremely disappointed. It was probably super rushed. It, and that's what it feels like. This whole game feels like it was super rushed. And I have never said this about an RE game before, but this is one that I feel you can skip. If you're a diehard fan like us here, you'll probably go out and play it. And I encourage that. But if you're somebody who's here for just the storyline and the growth and the progression and the massive character arts and the great storytelling, this is not the game for you. Move on. (laughs) So all that being said, Daniel, do you have any remarks about the game before we move forward to the mid-break? I just agree that there wasn't a lot there. I need I need story. Yeah, I need some more meat and potatoes. It was there. The potential was there, but they. I feel like they let us down with this one. They could have had more of a single player, and then what this game was could have been your online multiplayer mm-hmm. with that game. Much like they've done with Halo franchise, you know. But that's another game for another time. Let's go ahead and jump to our mid-break. Well, here we are in the middle of the show. And the first thing we have to do, Daniel, is thank our lovely patrons. Are you sure? I'm positive. Uh, I'll believe you for now. (laughs) So first on the list is our VIP patron, William Jackson. And our all-access patrons, Chris Slate and Remington Cloutier. So, a big Ari thank you to you. You all make this show possible. Thank you so much for your contributions. And I want to give a huge shout-out to our Discord, too. We've got a lot of wonderful people on the Discord always chatting with us. Uh, Just had a couple people jump in last night, and they've checked out some of our other shows, and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you guys do all these. We do tons of shows, but it's so awesome to hear from our fans. It's incredible that we get to reach out and just talk to you 
all of you in the discords, you know, we may not be in there poking around and, you know, constantly poking conversations. But if you want us to talk to you, we'll jump in. Like, all you got to do is start a convo and we're in it. <laughs> and if you want to know any of the other podcasts, you can just ask in one of those, mm-hmm. like the Resident Evil channel. And I can definitely list them off to you. I have no issue with that. I yeah. always have to search and see how many there are. <laughs> and they're in the show notes. If you want to check out all the other shows we do, they're definitely in the show notes. But all that being said, just thank you to our fans. Everyone's so lovely, so wonderful. With everything going on with Ariel right now, we've had so much support pouring out to us. And it's it's awesome. We cannot thank you enough. We have the best fans. You're all awesome. And if you want to help us out further, you know, liking leaving comments and reviews yeah all these things help us you know it gets us more momentum it gets us more visibility it helps so huge thank you to everyone with all that being said daniel what do you got for our mid break oh i brought some merchandise oh of course so if you've ever wanted to look nefarious carrying around an umbrella case that could be uh containing virus to potentially cause a incidental incident with <laughs> incidental doesn't work, but uh, some type of incident. Now I tell you not to do this because you will be getting in trouble. So, <laughs> but if you want to look like you do, and even the person in the picture that of this item is wearing black latex gloves, uh, a Nexo 3D on Etsy has an umbrella case. It's a black case, and it's got the umbrella logo, and it says Umbrella Corporation on there, and it is a cool looking case i saw that like not even five minutes ago when i was looking things through things and see if there's any new article information i saw that and was like oh my god i want that yes so if any of the fans want to get it for us or for themselves because <laughs> we'll look nefarious carrying it around oh my god uh you can get it on etsy from an exo 3d for 1915 currently it is low in stock and I believe it ships from overseas. I do not know what the shipping potentially is on this. Uh, so it probably depends on your location. But if you want to find that, it's on Anexo th- or it's by Anexo 3D on Etsy. And it is an umbrella. Um, where is this? Umbrella Corporation sampling briefcase. I mean, if you just want to carry your lunch around to work, that's your sample. Not, uh, no, I'm going to buy a ton of viruses on Etsy and just shove them in the case. <laughs> Make it look all official. I need the exact case from the first Resident Evil live action movie. Yes. But that's what I have for my merchandise. And of course, links will be in the show notes if you want to check it out. So what I brought in honor of Ariel was I brought an article. So she's not here to give us her lovely articles like she does every week. I figured I'd bring one for us. And this article comes to us from none other than IGN. And it's the headline is long delayed Resident Evil Reverse may actually be on its way. So essentially, there was a tweet gone out from at Jimatsu that relayed that the Stadia version of Resident Evil Reverse was just rated in Europe. So that means that potentially it's on its way. They're going through and getting European ratings for the game now. 
means it might still be on its way for 2022. However, the clock's ticking. And we're a pretty good chunk into 2022. If not now, when? (laughs) Yeah, about halfway through the year already. Almost. So, as everyone remembers, it was originally supposed to release last year. It got a three-month delay, then a two-month delay, and then it was delayed all the way to 2022. And unfortunately for us, Capcom's been pretty ghost about all this information. And they keep getting our hopes up with different announcements saying, are you announcement coming soon? And it ends up being an update to the website or a thank you. And though we appreciate these things, it's it's not what fans are looking for. So if anybody from Capcom's listening, we're looking for some more game info. <laughs> with a lot of story. <laughs> a lot of story. <laughs> Oh, goodness. So with all that being said, I think it's time to dive into the end of the episode where we're going to talk unlockables and Easter eggs. So here we are at the end of the episode. Daniel, you ready to talk Easter eggs and unlockables? Yes, because I have a feeling you're going somewhere with this. (laughs) Well, too bad, because there are no Easter eggs and the unlockables are... Pretty much just like you would get out of any other Call of Duty game or Halo where it is pay to unlock or play to unlock. And they're just cosmetics. I mean, if you can earn them as you play, that's good. I don't want to have to pay for them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's not like our normal unlockables. No, no. This is very much a game that was geared towards multiplayer online. And when it was released, that was the hype of online multiplayer, like buy it, you know, mini purchases and get this. And so some notable ones to talk about, however, for unlockables are the upgrade pack, which you could purchase for $40, which is the deluxe edition. And the steam price was 15 So this pack basically allowed you to unlock a few additional weapons, patches, cosmetic options, emotes, and skins to turn your your character into either Chris, Leon, Jake, Barry, Hunk, or Wesker. So it's pretty cool that you can play as, you know, these old school characters, but again, it was, you know, 15 bucks for some skins and emote packs and patches and guns you already had unlocked or you could unlock through the game potentially it wasn't a whole lot Uh, another one is from that same pack the deluxe pack or you could buy it for $2.99 on Steam which is the fashion victim pack and you with this one you unlocked six colors you get plastic orange plastic blue plastic yellow glossy silver glossy red and glossy blue that's pretty much it that's all that one unlocked for you the last unlockable is was free so that's a plus there but it was essentially a map and it was a map that was the old spancer spancer it was a map that was the old Spencer Mansion 
So you are allowed to go back to the original RE spooky, spooky mansion, which we've been back to how many times at this point? (laughs) They should have had you in the map. If you were playing against other players, you should have had to access puzzles and everything to get around. Mm -hmm. So then you're like really left off from each other. So there was another unlockable, but it was only... It was only a PlayStation Network avatar. And you could buy it from the Japanese store only. And you had to get it before the game released. So it was only exclusive to the Japanese online store. And you had to purchase it prior to the game release in order to get it. So, again, not even that cool. It was just a picture. And the picture is none other than A37. No. 3A7. Yep. And the picture was none other than 3A7. So, again, huge letdown in the unlockable department. Again, this is supposed to be the 20th anniversary game, and we got Jack. Our Easter eggs were final conclusions of the game, where we got a little bit more info on certain events that happened in previous games. And that was it. So all around just a letdown for me. Yeah, definitely. Without the story, it's not going to keep me entertained very long because certain multiplayer games I can't stay attached to. Mm. And I, I know we keep saying it, but the building blocks were there. And if they decide to remake, remaster, or even create a sequel to this game, I hope they take a page out of a couple other video games books. I hope they take a page out of Halo's book with the, you know, solo, you know, single player mode. I hope they take a page out of, as I can't believe I'm saying this, but Call of Duty Zombies book and make the online more of a just for fun kind of deal. And I kind of hope they take a page out of Fortnite's book. I, again, can't believe I'm saying it, but make the game last longer. Make the longevity there. Skins, emotes, packs, you know, all these things could be there to keep that game momentum going. If you have a solid game, you can keep it alive for ever, potentially. I rag on these other games. You know, they're all good games. I did enjoy these games in one degree or another. So, I mean, it's like reinventing the wheel. What's the point? (laughs) It's there. Use it. You have the models there. Slap your own spin on it. Call it a game. Release it. I bet it'll be a blockbuster hit. We'll see. (laughs) So, since we're wrapping this all up in one episode, Danny, we got it. It's time for ratings. So... What's your rating for this game? So I'm going to go uh, two out of five Rebecca's. Not even going to worry that Rebecca's not even in it. It's a multiplier. They could have even skinned her in it. But uh, I needed more story and more B.O.W.'s. Because mm. I, I swear I like I mostly do the B.O.W.'s on here. So I like <laughs> having the monsters. I'm with you on this. I think I'm going to have to give two hunks out of five for this. And even that sounds generous when I say it. And 
storyline is a big thing for me. The story input need more. The controls and the description on how to utilize the controls could have been better. The unlockables could have been more. I mean, I don't care if my character's now all of a sudden purple. I need some cool, awesome armor or guns or, you know, I need something more here. Okay, I need something to work towards. Not that I can change my suit a ruby red. Whoopee. And I needed more in the Department of Easter Eggs. I keep saying this. This was supposed to be the 20th celebration anniversary release game. It was supposed to be big and flashy and flary and everything that everybody wanted. And it wasn't. Nothing was there. I think if it would have had more story, we would have had Easter eggs. Yeah. And I agree. A lot of it. A lot of the problems I have with this game revolve completely around the story and the lack thereof it being. If we had more story, we had more time to put in Easter eggs. We had more time to include new characters more backstory for the characters you know there was a lot that story influenced in this game i just always question on some of these games that we've noticed there's not a lot of background with characters of how i know capcom's writing teams probably change game to game but how they determine how much background they're going to give to a character it's like uh this game you need a paragraph that's all we need that's all we need this character i want 12 paragraphs but it means nothing (laughs) it can be all in in game stuff <laughs> yeah, I just want to know. Just making the mission giver. That's my question for Capcom. Uh, I want a paragraph telling me how you come up with your <laughs> character backgrounds. So, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's our ratings. I mean, this game was short enough to fit in one episode. Can you believe it? Sometimes. <laughs> we did have at least one other that was like that. Yeah, it's true. So, with all that being said, I think it's time for us to sign off, Daniel. So, until next time, thank you for listening. Tune in next week. Bye! Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RELurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger.